for you. But for millions of people around the world, life is not good because they don't know Jesus like you and I know Jesus. For they haven't had the opportunity of accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that's why I'm thankful for the Church of the Nazarene, that we are a church that believes in reaching out. We have chosen as our mission statement these seven short words, to make Christ-like disciples in the nations. And back in the 80s, the General Assembly voted to be intentionally international. And in 1985, they voted to go into five new countries all in the same year, something they had not done before. One of those countries is the country of Kenya. I'm not sure if you can see the continent of Africa there on the wall. The one, the country in green is Kenya, and the one in red is Uganda. And Melody and I, who are church planners, were sent to join two other couples to help start the work in Kenya. And we went, and we were sent over to the western part of Kenya to the shores of Lake Victoria. Lake Victoria is the second largest freshwater lake in the world next to Lake Superior. Out of our lake, however, we catch 300-pound Nile perch. So if you're a fisher person, you may want to come over and try your luck. But we will start 120 churches. That's one church every month for 10 straight years. Responsibility. You see, we are not called to sit. Not even called to serve. And the people of Kenya accepted that. And they began to plant into those first 10 years. We knew, Melody and I, that we were not going to stay in Kenya much longer. Done what our professors had told us to do. Work our way out of a job. I tried that as a kid, and I always got in trouble from my dad. But seminarians told us, work your way out of a job, and that's what we were doing. And so we began to pray, Lord, where do we go next? We, the Lord said, go west, young man, go west. So we went west, across the border, over into the longest river in the world, which is the Nile River. The Nile River is where Moses placed into the river. My basket was made a little differently. Mine was made out of rubber. And I was, since it worked in Kenya, we decided to do the same thing in Uganda. We believe in friendship of to one day being able to share Jesus Christ with them. And so we start Bible studies. We started with one big Uganda district, Church of the Nazarene. Soon we were able to divide the country in half, and we had Uganda Central District, and we had Uganda Southwest District. And people who wanted to see Jesus Christ in the lives of neighbors and friends, to go to work or to go to school, they wanted to tell people about Jesus, to try and find out where the mechanics are. In African towns, usually, you have one section, steel and welders in another. You may have mechanics somewhere. And so I stopped to ask, where are the mechanics? And the guy hopped in my van and says, I'll take you. And so we started down the road and entered this one area, saw about 20 different mechanics working for themselves. He got out and said, I'm going to take you to the best one. I said, great. So we walked past several till we stood before a man that I can only describe to you as Mr. T. He was big. Big arms, big chest, big head, bald head. I said, hi, my name's Dan. He said his name was Muhammad. I said, well, Muhammad, I'm hearing some funny things in the front of my van. He says, well, go find something to do for a few hours in town, then come back. So I left my vehicle, and I went, and I started going through new shops that I had never seen in Jinja, trying to find a little bit of what was there for us. After two hours, I returned, and I said, what'd you find out? He said, well, there's two things you need to know, Dan. In the front of your vehicle, you have metal parts that are connected to other metal parts but they're not supposed to touch. You're supposed to have rubber bushes in between. You've run all your rubber bushes out. They're not there anymore. You're hearing metal to metal. I've replaced all your rubber bushes. You're good to go. I said, well, thank you very much. I paid him. I got in the vehicle. I drove out in the street. And as I'm driving down the street, I'm going, wow, this vehicle is just not driving like it used to. The vehicle, we got out in the street. We started driving down the road. And all of a sudden, he said, stop. So I stopped. I drive again. He said, pull over. So I pulled over. He says, where's your tire iron? Where's your lug wrench? 
I said, back in the back where you guys threw it. Didn't even put it away properly. I reached, got it, gave it to him. He got out and began to tighten the lug nuts on the front wheels of my car. And I sat there in the driver's seat wondering, what kind of a mechanic is this? He got in and said, what's going on? He says, just when you're all boys to him. He said, which one of you did I tell to tighten the lug nuts on this? And Zungus raised his hand. And he said, why didn't you do it? Ah, sorry. You get over there and tighten those lug nuts after Muhammad tightened. And with that, he left, and Muhammad apologized. I got in the vehicle, drove out into the street, and didn't keep his eyes on them. But then later I found out these boys didn't have on himself to train these boys in a skill so that they would be able to earn money, to be able to pretty good. I thought that was great. Well, we continued to grow our church, and it just kept going. We were able to divide the tenants, advisory boards, all that goes along with that. We just kept growing and growing, and as that was going on, this, I started the car, and I go, ooh, doesn't sound good, Dan. And I said, yeah, I didn't think so either. He says, yeah. I said, will it be safe overnight? He said, sure, no problem. I said, okay. So I left the border of Uganda through no man's land over to the Kenya border, from border to border to border to border. The next day, got on a boda boda, went back into town, went in the garage. I said, what'd you find? I said, great. So I paid him, I thanked him, got in the vehicle, started it up, looked down at my gauges. Where's all my fuel? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, when I came in, it was full. Now, and I took the book from my visor and I showed him how I wrote down every kilometer I traveled. He said, you need to open the gas cap. Hadn't been jimmied, it was still fine. He said, see, no one has touched your fuel. I'm going to go under the vehicle. And when Twaha came out, he said, Dad, someone has opened. He turned to me and said, take your car up to the petrol station, fill it up. Bring a receipt more because I have a big tank on that van. But he reached into his pocket and he took that. You didn't expect you to do that. Thank you. You know, my grandpa, my dad, they taught me do the right thing, no matter what thing. Thank you so much. With that, I turned to get in the vehicle and he says, uh, Dan, I said, yeah, man, maybe something's different here in Uganda as in Kenya. He says, well, someone else saw some fuel. I sent somebody over there to find out. Found out a man bought diesel fuel from one of the boys here in the gown. I looked over and I saw this 15-year-old boy coming, stood before us. Muhammad said, one, we take you straight to the police, or two, we handle it here, your choice. He called all the mechanics to come, they made a circle, told the boy to lay flat in the dirt, and they handed Muhammad a piece of rubber hose. And I said, Muhammad, I want to go. And he said, every time he struck him, I cringed. I did not want to be there. He just kept hit to get hit. And he kept hitting him and hitting him and hitting him, and finally he says, enough never ever come back to this garage again. I can't handle this. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I would have shipped with Muhammad. And I said, no way. Not me. From Islam into Christianity. Got the wrong person, God. Not me. And again, he said, what do you say? I struggled. But then I remembered, I'm a missionary. I'm supposed to do these kind of things. With people I meet along the street every day. And then I thought of the scripture that Paul, who considered his life worth nothing, if he did. So I said, okay, God, while I'm here in Uganda, I will do all that I can. The Prime Minister of England came once and gave it the title Pearl of Africa for two reasons. One, it's just outstanding. Uganda is a special place. It has had live with us, well, not with us, but live in Uganda there. One-third in Uganda. Uganda is by CNN standards, was a place. it was ranked as the most ethnically diverse country in the world. If you were to go I mean, from a different, different ethnicity, it was a Ugandan man who did it. But back in 2014, I watched the television, and I said to help with the Ebola outbreak, 
Should we let him come back now that he has contracted, you quarantined him, and you gave him a special medicine they just developed, and it saved his life and the lives of other nurses, are under the age of 16. 70% of them are under 38. If you were having your social security check coming, I wonder what you would think. Make a difference in Uganda, and as we did, we were able to get a fourth district started. It took General Church wanted us to do in order to approve us, and that was to have an ordained elder ordained elders up there. We're just now getting them trained. We're trying to make a difference people go through in order to become ordained. We're teaching that course, but not only do we ask the, those two of the laymen who first started taking our courses up there were named Moses and Job, and I got concerned they were not responding during class participation until I read, and so I had to have a talk with them, and then I had to have a talk with the older gentlemen and ladies. They began to talk, and now they serve as a pastor and an associate pastor of one of our district treasurer of that newest district. In July, we have our district assemblies. We had 181 churches in all of Uganda. When the stats came out in August, increased by over 10%. The thing I can't figure, it is, figure out how, what, why is because I was not there. I didn't figure out how they could do this. But you see, they have accepted the responsibility. They are called to serve. They're saved. Even while Melody and I have been in the state since February. And I was so happy to see that. I was continuing to work on my car, and I continued to try and build a relationship with him. One day I went in, and I said, where's Muhammad? They didn't know. I said, okay. I waited two days. I went back. Still, no Muhammad. Oh, I had a problem. I said, oh, what kind of problem? He says, well, I was leaving uh, Jin's of an assault rifle. Told me to stop. I stopped. Told me to get out of the vehicle. I got out of the vehicle. They give me the keys to your vehicle. And before they left him standing alone on the road, they ripped his chest open. How did you feel with that gun stuck in your chest? Dan, I thought I was going to die. I, I said, yes, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can be ready to die. Didn't want to talk about Christ, didn't want to talk any about that, so we talked about other things. And finally, when it was time about something like God, you blew it. <laughs> he was ready. What happened? I'm doing come, and we went all the way to the border almost of Rwanda. We'd already dug the foundation, poured it, put, put them up. We did some plastering, and when that was done, we went on safari. Safari is a Swahili word for it. And then we got back in the car, and we started heading home to Jinja. As we're driving, I'm a good driver, I watch people come up from behind you, and I'm just moving right along, and then all of a sudden, as I'm looking back, I'm seeing all the billowy America, and we're just cruising along, and then I look back again, I said, uh-oh, we're in trouble. No, I knew what that meant, and I started praying, Lord, please don't let us break down here. I don't want to break down with a working witness. Headed for toilets and, and showers, and I headed for the telephone. I called up Muhammad, I told him what I thought it was. Come early, Dan. I said, what time? He said, 6.30. I said, 6.30, you won't be there. He says, I'll be there. Nothing to you, Dan, I'll be there. I said, okay, I'll be there. So I drove down, and sure enough, says, yep, you need an overhaul. You're burning a lot of oil. I said, well, I'm taking my people to the airport, two hours away. When I get done, I'll bring you to the vehicle. He says, Dan, you won't get that vehicle. You've only ridden with me once, and that's my wheels. We're going like this. He says, I hear you go to Kenya. I said, yeah. Coming back, you stepped on your clutch, and the cable broke. I said, that's true. How did you drive that vehicle? Oh, I, when my dad would leave, he left keys to another vehicle. We'd take the vehicle and go out into the cow pasture. They said, I understand that, but how did you get through the border? I said, well, you get enough speed up, you kick in the neutral, you crash, you're supposed to drive up to the gate to give it to the man. I knew that wouldn't work for me. And so I walked up there, I gave it to him. He says, why? I said, because I'm driving a vehicle without a clutch. He looked at me and says, do you realize? I hope you won't. He looked at me and says, go get in your car. I got in my car and he opened the gate. And I coasted in the Uganda side, got the passport stamp, got the paperwork for the vehicle stamp, took the gate pass up to that officer. He, Uganda, I'm just moving along, second, third, fourth, fifth gear, just cruising along until I came. Waited a while, put it in first gear, turned the key, got around that guy, got around four or five others that way. And that's how I got it. He says, you're not listening. Listen. 
Leave it with me. I'll take care of it. Came back, had a nice leisurely afternoon waiting for the car to come. Seven, eight, nine o'clock, nine o'clock's missionary midnight. We get up early, we go to bed early. No vehicle. In the morning, I heard somebody honking a horn out in the road. Got up to see where it was. It wasn't on the road. It was in front of my... I said, I know, I told you. He said, no, it wasn't that. I looked up and all the other... There was no way except to get my boys and me around every one of those vehicles. We started bouncing them. Here's your vehicle. I said, well, I'm impressed, Muhammad, but it's really late or early, one of the two. Then got up early the next morning, went down to see if it would start. It started. Loaded the stuff on top, got the people inside, drove down to a Moving right along, looked back, no black smoke, no blue smoke. He had overhauled my equipment that you had. He was able to overhaul it. I was so thankful for the work he was doing. What's he got? We don't know. The doctor said he's going to die. He has high blood pressure. He has diabetes. There's nothing there. A friend of mine who's a physician's assistant, for some reason she told me the best doctor for exactly check him at Toronto Clinic and ask for Dr. Emanuel. He said he would. I couldn't go over that day, but the next day I looked at me and says, Dan, you saved my life. And I said, what do you mean? He says, Dan, I was going to die. And I said, Muhammad, I can't save your life. Only God can save your life. I said, you do that. And we talked a little bit more, and then we talked of other things. And every day I'd come to Christianity more, didn't want to talk about Christ anymore or his salvation. Until the last day before he got checked out, I had a second conversation with God. Something like, God, that was strike two. You missed it again. My house. He wants his blood pressure checked. Every third day he's coming, I'm keeping a chart, and all that, it's coming down. And one day he's there, and I said, Muhammad, do you have time to take a test drive with what that is? I said, no, I haven't heard that ever. He said, you're not supposed to, those are your rear wheel bearings. I looked down at your garage, can we do it at my house? He said, sure. So we went back, we jacked it up, put jack stands underneath the noise. You see, you don't just go down to your auto zone or your O'Reilly Auto Parts and say, hey, I've got a 1986 Toyota Hiace van, I need rear wheel bearings. No, you take the, you have something like this? How about you? you? You do, I'll take it. No, keep going. If you don't find the, he came home. He showed me the packaging. I was encouraged. He said, look at this, Dan. And I look at that, Japan, these are original. And I was happy and he was happy and we worked on the left side. And we, tomorrow came, he didn't. Second day, no Muhammad. I kept looking out at my vehicle that didn't look too, I said, okay. When you're better, come on down. It's not going anywhere. Days went by, he comes. We're to the corner of our house where we have a fossil. We began washing our hands. Gave him one of my prized possessions, a piece of lava soap. He said, man, this soap's good. It takes the grease right off. I said, yeah. He said, where'd you get it? I said, Dan. We got up knowing we both had clean hands, but I knew he didn't have a pure heart, and that's when he said, Dan, on our table many a times eating food that's been fixed in an American way. He enjoys Melody's cooking. He looked at me and looked at the tea and looked at me and said, Dan, I can't drink this. I said, why not? He says, I don't take out. Before he left, he asked Melody to write down a recipe on how to make iced tea. Took it home to his wife. And I speak English. You speak Swahili. I speak Swahili. Y'all speak Swahili, don't you? Ooh, this is a church. Okay, tell me. You can translate for me. Lion, very good. How would you translate the phrase Hakuna Matata? He. That would be a great name. That means friend. When I'm walking down the row of all the mechanics, I feel so good to have a friend that they call you friend. Anyway, and he begins. I was born into a Christian home. What? I was Catholic. My mom, she was Anglican. But when Idi Amin came into the country, a dictator you would never want to lead your country, many people switched. And he switched from Christianity to Islam. He gave up his Christian name, the Old Testament prophet Hosea, which is Hosea to us. Dan, I need Jesus. I said, Muhammad, for 15 years, I've been telling you you need Jesus. He says, Dan, I need Jesus today. Ask God to forgive you of the sins you've done. Ask him to forgive and to come and live in your heart. Prayer. And if the words I pray are the words that want to come out of your heart, you repeat them. 
And we prayed. And I reached into the back of my Bible, and I took out a picture of Jesus standing at the heart's door. My name, handed it across the table, and I reached across and said, Welcome to the family of God. I'm going to die. And I said, I know you're going to die, and I'm going to die one day, but neither of us are dying today. Let's go see Doc. The door opened to his office. Somebody came out. Another person went in. Everybody stood up, moved over one chair, and sat down. The text to come and draw blood, do the test ahead of time. Just as we went in, he brought me the paper. We went in. I feel achy in the joints. I have a headache that just won't quit. Sounds like malaria. Let's get you. You have a lot of malaria in you. He wrote out a prescription, went into town. We got the prescription from the pharmacy, gave him the, how to give it to his dad, take him home, get him to rest, get him to drink a lot of fluids, and they went. We stop, we greet one another, we find out he's about 90% recovered, he's feeling good. Wow, that didn't look like Muhammad. You see, there was a joy and there was a peace in his face that you can see outwardly in his life. Months and months go by and he calls, and I'm getting old. He says, Dan, I'm getting old and I've got to quit being a mechanic. I said, what? He said, I'll car over there. You take everything loose, you get two poles, you put them across, you get rope or you get chain, put it together in the dirt, you lift it back into the car and hopefully when you put it together, it starts. He said, I'm getting, what do you know about radio? He said, Dan, I don't know much, but my friend up in the mountains, he has a radio station. Nothing about mechanics. I, I serve as a pastor. I worked in a bank. Yes, I want you to be second missionary. I have an, a work permit with the government. I'm not allowed to earn money. He stopped for only a second. I checked with a lawyer. He said it would, so we began. And one day we had a grand opening, and we, I said, we don't have money for that. I'm sorry. You need to go to the banks. You need to go to the big businesses and get, he says, yeah. I said, let me talk with the district superintendent. I talked with Reverend Nathan. And he says, yeah, we'll send David and we'll send... I've never heard, heard somebody preach like Rebecca preaches. She preaches so straight and so understandably that we know exactly what she's saying. And the radio station kept going and going. And we got good... Uh, came to me one day and said, Dan, we need a church up here. I said, Rebecca, we don't have land. She said, I'm going to pray about it after the radio program was over. At 1 o'clock, or 12 o'clock when they finished... She would you pray for my child? She's sick. Will you pray for my marriage? It's not going well. Would you pray for my son? And she started that. And then she comes and asks for us to start a church. We don't have land. I said, I said have you been talking with Rebecca? She said, he said, no, I haven't. I said, why do you want a church? She said, I want my children. And when he called me the day I was really busy, he says, I need you here now. And I said, not now. How about tomorrow? Bigger than we could ever buy. And I said, oh, there is no way. He said, no, there's a way. I've talked to here. If we can pay this, that's all she wants? Yeah, we can buy it. We bought it. He says, we're building without the health department. They'll come and shut you down. And that means dealing with the sanitation. You know, north of the equator, right? Yes, you are north of the equator. We live on the equator. Which way does the water go down? Straight down. That's right. We dug a 30-foot pit latrine. Had 90-degree angles. We put a slab on. We put footprints so you knew. We VIP toilet. Ventilated, improved pit latrine. People from all over the area of the church. We built the church up, and Reverend Nathan came and said, we don't have a pastor for this church. I said, what do you do? And he said, no, not Fred. And I said, no, give him a chance. He said, no, I don't think so. I said, okay, what? Did you allow him to try? He says, yeah. And so we began. The first Sunday we were there, we were, uh, the next Sunday Fred preached, and, and I stood back, and somebody else translated there. And every week, after four weeks, I was out the back door. Nathan came to me after a while and says, Dan, what did you tell those people? They send somebody down to the bank, and they take 5.5% of their tithes and offerings, mission funds. World evangelism funds. They want people to know Jesus. They couldn't believe it. And they kept giving more and more. Not only did they give 5.5%, but other parts of their district to grow and have churches started. And they just keep, hi, Pastor Fred. Hi, Pastor Fred. Tell your wife hi. I'll see you Sunday, Fred. I said, how do you know all these people? Community. And they're coming and growing. Why? Because they're called to serve. They're saved. That's all we are to do. We come to church and we sit. And we listen. And we go home. 
to San Diego. In the last service, I met somebody who lives five blocks from your church. He's like you. He's that close. First time he was in church. This, our neighbors and our friends and our relatives and our coworkers and students we go to school with are making a friend so that one day we can tell them who Jesus is. Long understanding of church. Did you, I grew up on a dairy farm, so I know this to be true. Sometimes I think we think it's the pastor who's supposed to produce ourselves. How you doing? Before you lay your head down on that my pillow that just helps you to sleep so beautifully, according to the commercials, is my Muhammad. Who do you want me, God, to build a relationship with so that one day they will stand with me in heaven? Whether it's at work, next door, at the shop where you buy your milk and bread, who, God, is my Muhammad? Who do I need to intentionally start building a relationship with so that one day they will come to church, kneel at the altar and accept Jesus Christ as my Savior? That, and it starts with someone accepting Jesus Christ. I know, I know you're stuck. Thank you for allowing us to go. Thank you for sending us. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for giving. Don't forget your mission field as well, the one next door. So we ask that you pray for us. And for all the other missionaries, we have prayer cards on the back table. You here. May God bless.